Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the conversation half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Kevin. This is Lily. I'm Charlie. I'm Luther. So before we get into any specific questions, I want to ask you guys, just if you have any initial thoughts to today's sermon. No. <laughs> okay, at least that's honest. Um, Jesus? <laughs> uh, well, it started out pretty humorously, honestly. She, like, she was making jokes and stuff, so I think that's a good way to like get the attention of the audience and I think like draw them into it. I noticed that. Absolutely. By the way, today is a, a very special episode of the podcast because until now we've only had adults 18 and over on the podcast, but this is a special high school edition of, of the <laughs> podcast. What, what, just for the audience, what grades are you all in? I'm a senior in high school. I'm a junior. I'm also a junior. Cool. cool. Thanks, for, thanks for being here and giving us a different perspective. Um, not from old people. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. The sermon opened talking about Christmas and Advent because we're in that season before Christmas. Right. Um, and so I was wondering, before we get into it, just what does Christmas look like for each of you guys? Oh, okay. Well, my mother is a pastor. So uh, usually uh, we don't have a Christmas Day service anymore because she used to do that for like 16 years, I think. And then um, once we moved, she was like, yeah, that's never happening again. So we do Christmas Eve service, but it starts out pretty late. And since we live like an hour and a half away from the church, we don't get home until like midnight. Oh. So usually... Um, I think this started out when we were living in Long Island. We would go and pick up some fried chicken. We would go home, That's awesome. get into our pajamas, eat the fried chicken. And then for the past few years, since we've been living so far away, it'll usually be like midnight, 1 a.m. So then we'll just open all of our presents then. And then Christmas morning, we'll just lay around in our pajamas, eat oysters. and Nice. Yeah. That sounds lovely. <laughs> How about you guys? Yeah, for me, basically, it's like we also do the midnight service, I think, here at church. Oh, yeah? There is a midnight service. The one in Spanish? Yeah. No, okay, awesome. no, no. Then the, the, the one earlier than the that. The candlelight one. The candlelight at one, eight. yeah. Yeah, yeah we do cool. that too. Mm-hmm. It's dark, so I really can't tell the difference. But, like, we do yeah. that, then we get home, and, like, by then we've already, like, wrapped our Chris, like presents and put them under the tree. So, like, it's basically just waiting. Yeah, and usually I don't fall asleep. I don't know why. I'm just like excited for Christmas yeah. in general. Yeah, so I have that. So I'm like up all night, you know, talking to my sister or something. Then like we wake up, quote unquote, and like mm-hmm. we go and like unwrap our presents and like watch anything Christmas related. My mom's always watching Christmas movies and stuff. Oh, so cool. It's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's rad. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Honestly, I don't know. Just like very anything that like is on and just has that Christmas spirit. I'm good with. Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, cool. 100%. Nice. 100%. It's a great one. It's a great one. I was watching The, the Grinch with Jim Carrey last night. Mm. Oh, yeah. They have a new Grinch Pretty coming funny. out. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Or is it already out? It might be. I think I it's already out. I don't, I don't, know. How, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like that. it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, anyway, what, what does Christmas look like for you, Lily? Um, we usually do the regular festivities. Um, cool. When I was younger, we used to bake cookies for Santa um, and watch Christmas movies, but we we don't do that anymore. My mom likes to do the uh, the Christmas the, the the church service 
two like she likes to do it too but because we don't live in the city it's harder to get home at night and so we don't do it every year mm. where do you live um new jersey ew yeah that's <laughs> hey <laughs> new jersey's great don't, not really don't listen to charlie no i like new jersey it really isn't that great i mean i i prefer to live in Brooklyn, but New Jersey has well, I mean, a lot of great things. Hoboken is like very, very similar to Park Slope, and oh, really? Yeah, I didn't even know can, that. Um, I went and stayed with my uncle in that area for like a week, maybe like two weeks ago, and we went out to dinner, and there was this like huge, just like wall that was entirely made out of glass, so we could see the entire view of Manhattan from New Jersey. It was like a better view of Manhattan than living in Manhattan. Than when you're in it, yeah. And it's a lot cheaper. That's awesome. Yeah, Brooklyn's the same way. You get, you like, you're not in Manhattan, but it almost feels more like you're there because you can see it all in the distance. Anyway, New Jersey's great. New Jersey's great. So for yeah, me, I fly home to California every Christmas. Oh, okay. And uh, cause that's where I grew up and where mm. my parents still live. My sister flies home too. And we, we go to my home church at night and do like typical Christmas Eve service. Mm, right. And then um, in the morning, we always open presents. We always play the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas oh. album. Uh. Yes. Yeah, it's like terrible, but it's just nostalgic uh, for us. Yeah. And uh, my dad, sister, and I will always let it play on repeat until my mom notices. Uh-huh. She hates it, but like oh. we'll just like hope that she's not paying attention because right. we'll get it through yeah. like three times. Mm. It's just <laughs> <laughs> my mom fell asleep in that movie. She took me to go see really? it. And she fell asleep. I don't know how. I don't know how you could. But and then my mom always makes French toast. Oh, that's nice. It's the best French toast in the world. I doubt I'm it. A little biased. I make really good French toast. It's, yeah, <laughs> but like for me, it is. You know, there's yeah. that like it's it, it's it like yeah. it means Christmas. Mm-hmm. It means family for right. me. So uh, it's just associated with that memory. And then we'll get together with extended family. But anyway, um, so yeah. But in, in today's sermon, one quote that Pastor Danielle said was that as Christians. At Christmas, we're in for so much more. Like we have, we have, we're we have so much more in store for us mm-hmm. at Christmas because Jesus and all of that. And so, to you guys, what what does that mean for Christians? What what else does Christmas mean beyond those like the surface of our family traditions? or buying gifts and like the commercial aspect of Christmas. How does, if, if you believe in God and Jesus, how does that make, what more does Christmas mean then? Well, I feel like Christmas to everybody in general is like you have the festivities, you have the, the Christmas tree, the presents, the lights and everything, go to Christmas shows. And then as like, as a Christian and like someone who believes in God and Jesus and the religion aspect of it, you have the whole like sort of, not underlying, but like a sort of second mm-hmm. like category of Christmas. That's more like the religion and like the actual roots of it and like what that means to you as a religious person. And so like how that affects you and your life and your family and your relations with everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, I feel that commercially, um, there's kind of a buildup since, you know, Halloween where 
they promote Christmas things. I um, mean, Christmas ads were on even before Halloween. Yeah. And like they, you would hear carols on the radio and be like, it's not even the 31st. Yeah, but you know, there's a build up. Yeah, they they have, jump the gun. They have all the decorations out. They have sales. Um, you know, you can buy your Christmas tree on like, you can find, you know, place selling Christmas treats like every block or so. And you have this build up of all these um, commercial things. And then the day after, you know, the day after t- December 25th, it's, you know, all over. You have a bunch, all the stuff is gone. And so religiously, you know, Christmas continues on past the 25th, which yeah. is what most people, you know, automatically associate. Um, it continues on beyond that, you know, there's 12 days of Christmas. So you're not done yet, mm-hmm. even though you don't have, you know, you don't, you know, think about the Christmas tree anymore or the gifts or Santa, you, I guess, still have this religious celebration that continues. Yeah. And I would argue that that beyond the 12 days of the Christmas season in the church year, mm-hmm. that the, the meaning of Christmas, Jesus coming into the world, that has significance far beyond any day, right. you know, like mm-hmm. throughout, throughout right. all, all of life, it resonates. I mean, you know, Christmas is a subjective day to, to remember that, mm-hmm. but the, the reality of Christmas, the reason it exists is, is true every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, something that I always noticed, like, again, May I mention my mom was a pastor. Yeah, so you've and, had plenty of time to notice things. <laughs> um, but I remember like coming back from Christmas break and kids would be like, oh, I went to Paris. Oh, I went to Hawaii. Oh, we spent like a week in like Aspen. We went like snowboarding or whatever. And I would just be like, yeah, I went to church. <laughs> that was the entirety of my Christmas break. And I mean... We are very religious, my family. Yeah. And a lot of stuff with Jesus and more Jesus. Um, so I didn't really, like, get to believe in Santa Claus, like, ever. Really? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I did when I was, like, six. But by the time I was, like, eight years old, I was like, yeah, that's over. That's not real. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But um, I guess, like, as Christians like believing that like there's so much more to the holiday than just like some big fat guy coming in a red suit and dropping off presents <laughs> um i don't know it gives me some hope because it's like usually if my year was kind of like iffy or bad or whatever like the yeah. christmas season always just like raises our spirits like as a family and as a community especially in the church community because the birth of Jesus is just kind of the birth of love, I guess. That's how I see it. Mm. Um, Cause I'm like not as religious as a lot of people. I yeah. do believe in like something bigger out there, but that yeah. bigger thing is just love. So, yeah. Yeah. So then in your perspective, Jesus is like the arrival of that or well, how, do, how does, how does Christmas fit into your worldview? right now well there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the world that's really like disappointing 
and really like yeah just overall in our country in the world in general the government you know and i i, I can go on about that forever sure. um but i don't know like the christmas season always gives me like a sense of like hope and community and seeing like because i guess that's when people come to be on like their best behavior you know mm-hmm. like you'll see christmas spirit this and families coming together and people giving each other gifts and just celebrating and being a community and being festive with each other and i don't know like if we can get our act together long enough for like one day like okay off topic um i think it was during like world war ii there was yeah 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 there was a ceasefire ceasefire on christmas day and everyone just kind of got drunk and started singing and like they were all being very communal and giving each other food and um after that i think it was i think it was the english side warned the germans that um there were bombs coming to get them out of there and you know if they could do that back then and come together as a community for something that many people have in common why wouldn't be able we be able to do that now and love each other and be gracious with each other luther um, lily what do you think this of that? is not exactly related to christmas but mm-hmm. based on what charlie said there actually is an international peace day um which america does not necessarily celebrate or really recognize really? but a, you know a lot of countries do there's an international peace day where you know groups have been given aid and care um i believe that i can't quite remember but maybe it was isis said they would permit workers to come in and give vaccinations and so um this idea of peace i think you know does i'm not quite sure how to word this but it relates to the the christmas idea that charlie was bringing up where people tend to be happier they want they tend to be kinder to each other mm-hmm. and i think that could translate more into just daily life beyond christmas yeah i agree with that i think that my mom always says that if we got the mothers and the nurses in the world all together we would be able to fix everything hmm. um and i think that's because they know how to care for other people and put other people their needs before their own needs. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like in the end, we all just want to love. We all just want to laugh and we all just want to eat. <laughs> that's really, that's right. really it. And I feel like the Christmas season, especially kind of commemorates that time of being with family and eating and laughing and just joy. Um, we have a big Christmas chili party every year, which you're all invited to, by the way. Thanks. Um, and my mom makes like a huge vat of chili and we have like cornbread and salads and drinks and all these people come over and we're just having a great time listening to music, laughing, sharing stories. And I don't know, it's just a really nice time. It's really communal and it feels 
like everything is just a lot warmer and the air just feels lighter and everyone kind of pushes away bad stuff problems of the world and just it's kind of like put on hold for a second because it's kind of like a dark cloud I view it like everything that's going on in the country in the world kind of just makes everyone like shrink a little it's Mm. just like a bit of weight that you you know this is happening but you feel like you can't really do anything so in like that party in this season being with your family being able to spread joy and feel welcomed kind of lets that weight be lifted a little bit which is a amazing thing yeah mm-hmm. and and when the weight's lifted it's it sounds it sounds like it seems like other things good things fill that vacuum that space right you know people become big bigger and like more loving mm-hmm. versions of themselves what do you think luther i think that i think relating a bit back to religion christmas since it is the birth of christ it's sort of a rebirth of the christ in you so like that's sort of like a clean slate you know Hmm. At this point, anything that's happened in the past year, anything you feel bad about, you sort of get a chance at like coming to terms with it and figuring on how to move, figuring out how to move on and hmm. like start anew almost and like solve the problems that you have and like become better because of it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Also, a very insightful thought. <laughs> I, I, I want to share t- two responses to some of the things that you guys have said. What in, in the example of World Peace Day and, and World War II, what, what I really hear is that the Christmas or there are these days or occasions that, that create a moment where people wake up and see the humanity in other people that maybe previously were characterized as an enemy or were against their interests. But there's these moments when suddenly everything is reframed and you say, you can see, oh, this this is just another person too. And we have something that unites us, Mm -hmm. whether it's we all want peace or we all, Christmas creates this feeling in all of us that we can all identify with and agree. Let's, let's take a break and make this about community and joy. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, the most powerful part is, is not only that people took the day off, but what you shared about how the, the English letting the Germans know about the bombing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still bombed it, but, <laughs> but, but they were able to, you know, get some of these people live. out yeah. alive. And it was that moment of they were seeing the Germans as people Right, mm-hmm. like through the Christmas mindset, mm-hmm. right, as like opposed to the the war mindset. And for for my faith, I think that's that's what Jesus came to awaken in all of us all right. the time. I think I believe you know, Jesus is becoming human, and then shows us the humanity in all of us, right. and reaches out breaks these barriers that existed 2000 years ago and tries to show people like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you are, you are all humans and you are all loved and meant to love each other, Mm -hmm. love your neighbor and to, to be on this world together in peace. And while that, that so often still doesn't happen today, I think, yeah, Christmas offers can offer sometimes a glimpse of that and brings that hope back that maybe it's possible. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely see that same like hope and renewal personally mm-hmm. right. at Christmas too, like you were sharing with her for sure. So the, the gospel text today, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of has an end of the world vibe. Oh yeah. Just read it out loud for the listeners. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees as soon as they sprout leaves so you you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries on this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of this whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Whoa! Okay. Okay. (laughs) On a gut feeling, what's your guys' reaction Um, to that? I mean, there's an entire section of the Bible that's just preparing for the end of the world. It's like there will be fire and death. Re- revelation. And some, yeah, 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 yeah. And some like snaky demon thing will sprout out of the ground to slaughter everyone. I yeah, really it's, like, it's like something out of a fantasy movie <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Um, what do you think, Lily? I mean, aren't there, I guess, three important moments in maybe the Christian chronolo- chronology? You know, you yeah. have the creation of the universe. You have, I guess, the birth and life, I guess, birth, life, and death of Christ. Yeah. And then you have the end of the world. So those are the three important events, not yeah. events, because Jesus' whole lifetime is not, I guess, an event. But yeah. these are three things that, as Christians, we focus on. And so a lot of people are even now preparing for the end of the world. The literal end of the world, you mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the literal end of the world. And I think it has, it's a misinterpretation of this passage yeah. where they where they are trying to protect themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that what Jesus here is saying is that beyond this you know time space to the end i will still be with you and it's the focus is not on the end but rather his continued you know his continued strength that he's giving you you know us humanity well i mean people have been predicting the end of time since the dawn of time like yeah there'll always be people that have a fixation with it like with the mayan calendar ending in 2012 like that was a big thing. Someone predicted the world was going to end in 2017. Um, well, there's three more coming up. Yeah, yeah three really. More and, oh my yeah, we're going to have three in a row. Three supposed end of the world, and then <laughs> it skips. One? Then it skips a few years. But <sighs> okay, then we can. But that's can unrelated. Comes back. Oh my I mean, goodness! How many times have you seen someone like saying, like, 
<clears throat> Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, think that the end of the world is going to come like very soon. Like every day they wake up and it's like tomorrow is going to be the day. Tomorrow is going to be the day. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow mm-hmm. comes. It's like okay, tomorrow is going to be the day. Tomorrow is going to be the day. But I'm going to yeah. I'm going to make it to paradise, and I have to spread the word to everyone else who's also going to make it to paradise. So they're going to say the world is going to end soon. You must join our way and save yourself. Or like some crazy guy wearing a cardboard sign in the middle of the street saying the world is going to. That's who I end. picture. Like oh, yeah. guy in oh, Times yeah. Square. Tinfoil like, hat. Tinfoil oh, yeah. hat. <laughs> Yeah. Tinfoil with a megaphone, like, right. and they're like, and Jesus said, uh, oh, yeah, like, oh, I can see mean, that. That's not remember, how I re- there's no it. better place to preach than the subway. Yes, <laughs> you, yes, you have a captive audience, mm-hmm. like, literally trapped. Captive. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember I got on the train like a couple days ago, I think, and some guy came on and he just started like rocking back and forth and saying, like, save yourselves, come live for the Lord. And, nah, nah, nah. and then when he was done, he sat down next to me and just continued riding the train. I was like, ah, I don't want to be near this person right mm. now. <laughs> this when, isn't good. When people use it that way, the text like this that way they're they're almost using it as a threat right they're they're saying and mm-hmm. and a way uh, in my opinion an immoral way of mm-hmm. persuading people to see the world the way they see it right um so come come join me or else right <laughs> the world's ending tomorrow and mm-hmm. so like people might join out of fear right. or mm. but i think as lily pointed out um, Lily pointed out another interpretation where a text like this is not a threat, but a promise that that God and Jesus are going to remain constant and endure these these kinds of things, no matter mm-hmm. what happens. Right. Everything could pass away, everything could change, mm-hmm. and and the word of God and the the promise made through Jesus coming to Earth and dying mm-hmm. that that will remain. And I think that. Lily, you actually did that summed up really well the perspective that Pastor Danielle took in her sermon. Right. Um, very much focused on, uh, she, she actually said, this, this text is not terror but truth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a promise. The promise of Jesus is that in God, endings are in fact beginnings. Right. I think, I think literally she's referencing that when Jesus dies, everyone thinks that's the end. Three days later. And three days later, you have right. Easter, and it's actually mm-hmm. the beginning of the Christian faith and this whole new perspective on right. how people relate to God. Mm. And you know, I and I believe the the beginning of this this redemption and love and grace and being made right with God where we don't have to earn God's love but just have it. Right and are, are called to love our neighbor in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. Um, so an ending becomes a beginning. Right. And Pastor Danielle used this to relate to lots of moments in our lives that aren't mm-hmm. the, the end of the world, right. but moments that can feel like the end of the world, moments mm-hmm. of great change or, or a death of someone you know or a new life that comes in and mm-hmm. changes everything. Yeah. Um, and it, it, if this is too personal, don't, feel obligated to share but i'm wondering if any of us have have moments in our lives of great change Mm -hmm. or um whether it's moving or going between schools or like for me one would be probably when my grandparents passed away like are are there moments that might have felt 
just like something big was ending, like world changing moments for you in your life so far? All right. Well, for the 3000th time, my mom is a pastor (laughs) and I have moved. I moved from the Bronx to Long Island, from Long Island to Brooklyn and from Brooklyn to the Bronx. Again, we're literally two blocks away from where we used to live. Um, oh, wow. So that's three moves in like six years. And I've been to seven different schools. Wow. So I haven't stayed at a school for more than three years at a time. It's a lot of change. Yeah. And um, my last year of middle school, I transferred in to a new school. And then I transferred out and started going to a different school. And then two years later, I'm going to a new school now. And every single time it happens, it's kind of like, all right, we're just going to pick up all of my baggage and just drop it here. (laughs) Let's see what happens now. (laughs) Let's see what happens in this context. Yeah. Every single time I've been, I like, I remember always feeling like, okay, I need to reinvent myself. I need to be a new person now. I need mm. to be different. Cause like, this is like my chance. This is a new opportunity. And I don't know. It just never really worked out. But every single mm. time we moved, we picked up, went to a new school. I would definitely feel like the world was ending. Really? Like I would have that moment, especially when we were moving to Brooklyn because I was living on Long Island and we had six weeks to move we had to find an apartment we had to find a school and we had to sell all of our furniture because we were living in like a huge parsonage for the church and then we were moving into a 650 square foot apartment (laughs) so (laughs) it was like a four bedroom house with kitchen dining area living area an office and a basement so we had all of this stuff and then i moved into a closet and (laughs) so we got rid of all of our stuff we had to find a new school i found out that i had to take an hour to get to school every morning i was living in greenpoint i had to travel down to bay ridge every single day it took an hour for me to get to school someone who had never been on the train by themselves anymore like ever i had never been on the train Mm. by myself um and I had to wear a uniform. I had to cut my hair because I had blue hair and it was a parochial school, so I couldn't have colored hair. I had to say goodbye to friends with quotation marks because we didn't stay in touch. Um, And at that time, I was very new in we just figured out that I had very severe anxiety. So Mm. all of this was happening and I had just been diagnosed. So it was all kind of like, let's just hit Charlie in the head with a baseball bat and see how many times it takes for them to pass out. (laughs) Yeah. Like let's just throw everything at this person who we just learned has anxiety. Wow. Eventually it worked out. Like I was able to get to school every morning and, Oh, I also had three hours of homework at night and at my old school, it was like a hippie school. So we didn't have any homework. (laughs) So I went Mm. from that (laughs) to all of this This intense workload. But I was able to graduate with like an 85 and above in every class. I got into Guardia and I, my best friend, that's where I met her. And, you know, it was pretty stable, but it was difficult moving, picking everything up, selling all of our stuff. We lost like a bunch of photo albums. My mom has no idea what happened to them. 
sometimes i'll just be like do you remember that thing like where is that thing she's like yeah we sold it we sold a couch we sold a chair we sold all of my lego sets i was like 12 (laughs) we sold i had to get a new bed um my room was literally the size of a closet i had to get rid of my dressers i had to get rid of like everything bookshelves we had to get me a loft bed because that was the only thing that would fit in my room tiny Mm. apartment yeah it was intense so so in these moments of i mean this was an insane moment of change (laughs) how how does it feel to to hear from this verse and from the sermon that the idea that god is a constant that there's a constant throughout no matter what the world can throw at you that there's a constant at that time i was kind of an atheist so I had like tried to separate myself from church and religion and all of that. Yeah. So I didn't really have anything. I was just kind of spiraling. So you didn't feel that. Yeah. Yeah. That foundation. Um, but I wish that I did, that I did believe that something yeah. was there because I tried really hard to think that there wasn't anything. And even after we moved, I became severely depressed. Um, everything just kind of started getting a lot worse. I just kept spiraling. My grades were tanking. Then eventually I started talking to my parents about it and everything got a lot better, but it did take a Good. long time for me to feel like I was stable and feel like I was being able to yeah. last in there. Um, now, starting a new school, uh, and I guess just like all the changes that I've made in my life recently, I've definitely relied on my faith a lot. And it is reassuring to know that the support group that I have, while they may be human, I also feel like the power that I believe in love yeah. is given them for me. And that there is something that is bigger than myself that is able to watch over me and can I can kind of do what I can with the problems and then just leave the rest up for the Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it sounds the it I sounds just keep like, like spewing into the camera right now. It sounds no, that, that was I think that was an incredible I think there was a lot of insight in what you shared for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm glad that you're at a better place now than you were. Oh, I'm a, a lot. I'm a lot more stable, yeah. Yeah. I'm, My grades I'm very, are a lot better. I'm very happy. Thank you. For that. Yeah. Um how about yeah wow there's a, there was a lot in there and but um i think it it speaks for itself in a lot of ways and you have clearly have a lot of insights into your own life so without digging further into that now I'm, how about you guys luther or, or lily do you do you have moments in your life or have you had moments in your life of big changes where it might have almost felt like the the world was ending or at least part mm-hmm. of it Oh, I'll go. So I also have a school-related story, like Charlie. So a little bit of background story, background to my story. Um, I in elementary school, I was with the same class, the same group of kids for four years, Mm -hmm. and so they weren't. We weren't all friends, but I knew them, and. So sixth grade, I've been with these people for four years. And basically I'd spent, you know, every day with these people. And I didn't know anyone else at my school. 
And so they were, they were familiar. And I switched to a new middle school. Well, it wasn't, I didn't switch middle schools. I was from, it was from elementary school to middle school. Yeah. But I changed out, I switched out of the public school system to a middle school in New York. Like I said before, I live in New Jersey. And I knew two people from my old school who, also, who were also going to this um, middle school. So I had to make new friends there. And it's because it's only a middle school, a lot of the kids that were new also. So that was easy mm-hmm. enough. But basically one of the friends who I, who I had entered the school with, we had a falling out. And so I, I sent her an apology note. And the next day she looked right through me. She didn't oh, even acknowledge me. And I feel like that really stunted for a few months that really stunted my growth at my new school. Yeah. Because um, we were beginning to have a friend group together. And after the falling out, I didn't feel like I was welcome there, even though nobody else there knew about it. And wow. so I, for a while, I was really mad because I considered her a really close friend. And she was really religious. And we, the, the, the underlying reason was that my family had beliefs that hers didn't have. Really? Such as, you know, gay rights. Um, she wasn't allowed to go out on Halloween because of the devil. She, um, you know, she went to church every Saturday because that's what her church was, you know, so my family goes to church occasionally, but there were obviously some key differences there. And, but I was, despite all this, we were kids, that doesn't, you don't consider that. Mm -hmm. And so I was really hurt and mad when she did that to me. Yeah. And so... For a year, over like over a year, I I made my own friends there who we weren't necessarily in the same fun group, but I did meet, you know, become friendly with the people that she was acquainted with there. But I was harboring a lot of anger towards her, towards her mother, because I thought that her mother influ- like influenced her yeah. and her own decisions a lot. And then one day I just realized I wasn't mad anymore. Hmm. You know, I I don't know, but I just realized that, you know, she had a different upbringing than mine and she couldn't help it that her, her, she had beliefs or her mom had certain beliefs and I couldn't help that I had mine. And so I felt like a big weight had been lifted once I realized that, you know, I, I couldn't be friends with her anymore, right. but I didn't need to be mad. Right. Uh, I feel that. I feel like middle school kind of sucks for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the worst yeah. years of my life were probably in middle people, school. People do crummy, crummy things too. Like that, 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 that dead stare of not acknowledging. I mean, I don't know, adults can do, do plenty of crummy stuff too. But kids are um, so petty. It's different. In They're so petty. But I, I think you're, in, you're entirely right, Lily. The way you highlight that underlying that difference of beliefs and faith possibly playing a role. 
that the difference between church communities that that affirm and welcome gay people and all people and then others <laughs> like here at Advent Lutheran Church. Yeah. <laughs> We're um, inclusive to everybody. Just an underlying note. Inclusivity. Inclusivity. <laughs> yeah. Um but and but the existence also of church communities where some are in and some are out and that focus more on on judgment. But yeah, I think losing losing a friend in middle school or any point in life oh it sucks it really sucks uh and so for me one time for me that felt like a world-ending moment was was in high school my first major breakup with oh you're like oh we're gonna learn stuff about kevin's life um uh, yeah i the last it, it, it was more than a year. It was maybe a year and a half or something. Mm-hmm. Two. Okay. That's Seri- like an eternity for a 16 For high school, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was pretty serious. And um, that person was a grade older, went away to college earlier. Mm-hmm. And that obviously creates strain, right. long distance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was meeting a lot, a lot of new people and yada, yada. I won't go into all the reasons, but mm-hmm. we broke up. But when you're with someone for that long, right. it's it's... It's similar to a, it's similar to a friend mm-hmm. t- turning on you, and there was also a, b- a betrayal it feeling like of betrayal in there. Like she bro- out. Yeah. yeah, she broke up with me, right. which is always harder. Uh-huh. Uh, and and she also cheated on me at one point, which is that oh. moment of betrayal. Right. I mean, she went to college, and like you know, I was off at high school, and she was meeting like a million new people. So in, in context, I can understand that. Like she entered a completely new world that was exciting and full of new possibilities and meeting hundreds of new people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was back in our same world, right. nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about the, so uh, similar to you, Lily, like distance creates, like I understand what better, what she was probably experiencing and that she didn't intend to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But when you enter a new world, everything changes. Right. And that that's what happened for mm-hmm. her. But in my moment, because it was someone that I was connected to deeply for so long, the breakup feels kind of like a world-ending moment right. for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually read this thing a while ago about how this socio- sociology study or something that was looking at like when we lose a friend or a significant other. It feels like a death. It actually feels, yeah. yeah. It mm-hmm. can take you like... Um, six months up to a year to get over somebody yeah. mm-hmm. once they like leave you yeah well and, it, it even like depends like after like a year and a half it could be longer yeah and that's no matter what you do like you could do yoga you could like write poetry whatever helps eat a but, pint of ice cream every day but yeah <laughs> but um and it's not the same for everyone but there there's this period of grief that is it's very in our DNA real. and it's, it's very, very real, real and it's just going to be a period that you might not have so much control over mm-hmm. um, or n- your friends also can't control either by trying to cheer you up necessarily right. for a while um, and that's that yeah, it's just part of life mm-hmm. what about you Luther well mine is also school related but it was like earlier than middle school okay so Going like back, similar to Lily I had gone to an elementary school since like kindergarten. I had been with these people for like five years. Mm-hmm. So, and it was yeah. a small school. So also, like when you're like that young, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like kind of how right. 
everything has like mm-hmm. formed like right. all your friendships your relationships yeah you, and that's how mm-hmm. you see the it's world it's your almost. it's your world it is your way yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so for me like i knew all these people and a lot of them were my friends and so i don't remember exactly how it happened but like my parents decided and i'm not holding anything against them it was a great experience mm-hmm. in some light mm-hmm. but they decided to take my sister and i to ghana to go to school there Whoa. for a year yeah yeah so like in the middle of all this, it's just like we go there over the summer and like huge change. We're not coming back for the indefinite future, right? Yeah. And oh, that's scary though. That is scary because it's, I I've been to Ghana before, but only during the summer. And I know my family and like we had a mm-hmm. house, but we even then we moved from that house to a new house that summer. So wow, double change. So not even yeah. there was no familiarity right. then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like the school year starts even before the school year, like a couple days before, I was just like missing new york already and like usually mm. during the summer break i don't because like i'm like oh i'm going back soon yeah but this time I'm like i know i'm not going back so it's like i don't know how this year is going to be i don't know how the future is going to be for now and so like i remember when i was a kid i was nine that time so i remember like with my cousin i would look at pictures that we took of radio city music hall like mm. go through them on my sister's laptop and just uh-huh. like remember like how it was yeah mm-hmm. wow and so like school started and like it wasn't anything i could expect at all Honestly. Really? It's like a whole it like? different environment. Because, like, school in Ghana is different. Like, you learn the same things, but, like, you just kind of anticipate how the environment and how the people are going to be. Like, the people were really nice, and, like, they were fascinated by the fact that I was from America, and, like, oh, it's a completely different place. Wow. Hmm. And, like, one thing, I think the, the biggest thing that categorized the difference there and here was how they took discipline. Because, like... How is it different? It's It's, like... For them, you know, here it's like, you know, you have to be like strict, but you can't be too strict. But for them, they don't really have a limit in that sense. It's not like it's everywhere really, in Ghana. It was just that specific school. So disciplining is more severe? Or oh, yeah, much more severe. Strict? And like, like they, would wow. whip, they would whip students. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so like, oh my, <laughs> you're going there. And like, it didn't bother me that as much as you'd expect. But like, it was just really different. And I think the fact that it was different bothered me as opposed to like, the whole it, disciplinary the their, fact their that tactics, it was right. violent mm-hmm. I was just like I guess I was confused but like and I was also scared because I didn't know anybody there and like I was such a I was a little kid and like my sister's yeah. like a, on a whole different floor and like I don't know anybody around me and like they all spoke different languages I understood one but like there were multiple other languages that they spoke and like it was yeah wow mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was like, I think the first week, I would cry in the morning, and just like man, just yeah, I don't, even, I don't blame bowl you. Of yeah, cereal, yeah. just like you know, I don't want to go to school, but like you oh, know, man. it was it was just different. I think. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of difference to absorb right. at once. Yeah, it's just like a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you have to learn the language, or did you already know it? Well. They were teaching us language. It was like a course, so it's not like I had to learn it to speak it because they spoke English there mm-hmm. in school. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you, how how did <laughs> at the time how did your faith act as a constant at all? And the, the second question mm-hmm. I'll ask is responding to the sermon. Just mm-hmm. how does it make you feel this idea that even when your whole world changes, right? God is still there, and God's mm-hmm. word is the same. Well, my whole family's from Ghana, so like what I've been growing up with, the kind of faith I've been growing up with, what they talk to me about, it's the same as 
as it is when I went to school there. So mm. I think that was one constant that I could relate to from being in here and then going to going to Ghana because like faith-wise nothing changed. They still taught us the same stuff and like it's something that I yeah. could like it was almost nostalgic for me because like sometimes the pastor because we had church sermons in school. Yeah. So, like, oh yeah. Oh, the pastor wow. too. Yeah. I had to go to chapel twice yeah. a week. It's like the pastor would say okay. something and I'd be like, oh yeah. yeah, my parents said this once or like I've heard this before. Yeah. So that'd be like a sort back, of yeah. constant for me. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. Cool. I realized I never asked you this, Lily, but um, how would you respond to the idea in today's sermon that even as friends change or schools change, even when crappy stuff happens, that got, there's I, a constant, that God it. is constant. Well, that, I'm not, I'll, know how to answer that specific question but i do yeah. want to point out the um the idea that pastor danielle mentioned that an end is really a new beginning mm-hmm. um i felt like when i joined the new school like i said she was one of two people that i knew and so even though it really hurt me when she left mm-hmm. i was finally able to reach out i was able to reach out to new people i didn't have to be friends with people that she was friends with even though i, I liked the people but i didn't need to stay with her mm, yeah so it really helped me um go outside my comfort zone yeah i mean it was not by choice it was you know due to a lack of choice that you know but you were able to grow yeah i was able to meet new people who i really liked and who people that she may not have agreed with or who i may not have been who i not may not have interacted with had i stayed by her side yeah absolutely and 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 also later that like i see as a huge growth that moment you realize that we're able to make peace with it and, and forgive her and say, maybe we don't agree, but I'm good. I don't have anger. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I think to me what this gospel text points to is that a lot of times, like when one world ending like mm. is really about God taking us beyond our comfort zones so that we can see something new and bigger mm-hmm. that that we're, we're called toward. And so these, any at life at any time something dies or ends, we're carried on and, mm-hmm. and have a better perspective of life and, and humanity and people. I have a question for the group. What yeah. do you think about the phrase, uh, God doesn't give you something you can't handle? Can you repeat that? What do you think about the phrase that like God doesn't give you something that you can't handle? It's not exactly the phrase, but there's also, this makes me think of the phrase, oh, it's part of God's plan, or something along the lines that people often say, we need consoling. And I I think, while I personally don't necessarily believe in that, like the idea that, oh, your son has cancer, but it's God's plan, so it's okay. I right. think that the idea that maybe not that God maybe caused your son to have cancer, but the idea that he's with you even during these times of trouble or times of conflict, that that's reassuring Yeah. to know that you have someone on your side, even 
you know, someone to hold your hand through it, even if they're not there physically. Yeah. The reason why I mention this is because I know a lot of people do believe that. Well, I personally don't. Um, I, I think that sometimes stuff in our lives gets like thrown in the way that we can't handle. But, and I don't think that that's like God's plan, God's will, you know, like my mother being diagnosed with cancer when I was nine years old. That wasn't, she's good now. She's good now. (laughs) I like to say. To Um, to hear that's God's plan. Yeah. But I definitely think that God will give you strength to get through it. I don't think Mm. that it was his intention, her intention, their intention, but they would help you know, and give yeah. people to be able to help. Like our yeah. friends would send us groceries when my mom couldn't go shopping and would come over and do the laundry because she couldn't move. And that was God's will. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. That's an important distinction and very insightful. Both of you. I think that's the, that's a great response. And I, and I would agree that the phrase God doesn't give you anything you can't handle I think it inf- it frames the relationship between us and mm. God completely wrong. Like God is just throwing stuff right. at us. Yeah. Yeah. Like what challenge can they handle mm. next? And we're, and it's up to us to have the strength right. to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. While we can grow from hard experiences, mm-hmm. I, I really to me it, it seems the other way around. The like the world the world is broken and has a lot of hard, terrible things in it. Yeah. There's there's war, there's 100%. there's death, you, people you love can die. Right. Hunger. There's hunger, mm-hmm. but... Crazy orange and, men and, running offices. And a key part of Jesus and the Christmas story mm-hmm. is the realization that we don't have the strength on our own to make all these things right. 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 Mm-hmm. We we don't and and God doesn't mm-hmm. expect us to. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why Jesus comes into the world on Christmas and why Jesus dies on the cross. Right. It's it's saying is it an admission that God will give us the strength mm-hmm. um in moments, not that, that makes them easy, but that God is with us and that when we're not enough faith that that God is doing the work mm-hmm. um, and that God is present in those in those moments anyway. I feel like I didn't articulate that the way that I wanted to, <laughs> that last part. Um, do you guys, are you guys picking up what I'm putting yeah. down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last yeah. night I got on the train and my mom, moms and I went to go see this show about, it was a, it was a drama therapy show. And it was specifically for people that were living with HIV. And it was intense. There was a lot of monologues, uh, spoken word. There were performances. There was a drag part. It was delightful. (laughs) And it was just like a really amazing communal experience. And then afterwards, we got on the train. And it was like midnight. It was really late. And this crazy guy got on and i feel like we already talked about this you know (laughs) there's no place to preach like a church car and this guy got on and started yelling about how he has a 12 pack of corona bottles for ten dollars and he was on something he was drunk Mm. high i don't know a mixture of everything who knows but train car was pretty packed um and he was standing my mom was sitting down he was standing right next to her and i was like 
directly in front of her so he was like right to my right and very close and yelling and screaming and then the other mom got very defensive and she was wearing her collar so she started like she got down and like started talking to him trying to calm him down and then he just started saying bleep you bleep this bleep blah 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 just like i don't care that you're a bleeping pastor um and just started like yelling and like threatening her and it was the entire train car just got very scared that's intense and Mm. so what i do in those situations is the serenity prayer is very important to me god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can the wisdom to know the difference i can't Mm. change that there's a crazy person but i can definitely change where i am on the train to get away from the crazy person and how i'm going to react to the situation how i'm going to handle how i'm going to calm myself down so eventually it worked we got off the train he was still there still yelling some big guy got up in his face and was telling him to lay off the lesbians which is great um (laughs) but you know in that moment i did what i could i got away from what i could and the rest was up to god that was my yeah that it's a great story and example just realizing the limitations of certain things what you can control but it's you like took the right made the right call with what i think a lot of people forget to what they can control too Mm -hmm. you know how how you can respond to a situation so cool Okay, I, I caught the time a while ago, and I noticed we're, way, we're past 1.30. Oh, my God. But, but, <laughs> I always, but I always try and end uh, to circle back to a, a more positive note at mm-hmm. the end of the, the podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate, though, that we've gotten into some real stuff. But I want to end on a slightly more positive question, um, and that is having talked about these world ending moments in our lives mm-hmm. and, and also the, the brokenness that is very much still around us mm-hmm. in the world today. We briefly touched about on how that's part of why Jesus comes into the world right. to bridge that gap, even when we don't have the strength or we aren't enough. And I think this also, I think circles back to what you were saying, Charlie, about what, how Christmas brings hope community hope for Mm -hmm. community and people being their better selves. Mm -hmm. I think that's what Jesus sets the example for, for all of us and represents. So this, this particular Christmas, what, what is your hope that you would want to see Jesus bring into the world right now in, Mm. in 2018 rationality? Like, yeah. Because I feel like the best way to solve problems is to like look at it from like a point of view of like what is the problem and how can I best fix it without like getting too emotional about it and letting it drag me down. So mm-hmm. I feel like the more rational people are, the better we can get at solving problems as a group, as, an, as a whole, solving all the world's problems through like rationality and thinking mm-hmm. and analyzing the situation. That makes me think of things like uh, hunger. Right. We have we produce enough food in the world mm-hmm. to feed everyone, right. but the the systems in place mm-hmm. don't deliver that food to the right people. Right. It's it's totally jumbled up. Mm-hmm. And that being said, we we also live in a world where rationality gets mixed up in other things. So mm-hmm. some of the reason why the system is fixed up is right. because of people in power who are greedy and right. or who don't care. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't enable that to happen, right? You know, 
Um, or there might be instances where what's rational, mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe rationally one thing makes sense, but empathetically another might right. make more sense, mm-hmm. and it's and it's better to choose empathy right. in that instance. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I would just I would just add that. Mm. But yeah, rationality can go a long way. I would like to get all the mothers and nurses into office. <laughs> yeah, mm. let's um, do it. I I guess this year what I'm hoping for is just a little bit more kindness in the world and you know love. A very common theme with my beliefs is just love and to love people and know eventually in the end we all just want to laugh and love and eat if we're going to be like super far-fetched. Sure, go for it. Maybe that all of our like messed up government can kind of just fix itself for one day. Maybe we'll actually get some work done for the better of the country and for the better of the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very valid hope. Absolutely. You Lily. look like you want okay, to share. Okay, that's to me. Um, I think that we need to have a better understanding of people who are not like us. Um, yes. Because there are people who I don't agree with, but, you know, like I said, they have different lives that have shaped them. And so I need, you know, I need to understand them. So I hope that they can be able to understand me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that plays into rationality where this would help solve a lot of problems in the world. Yeah. But also I think overall we need to be more positive and focus on the good things because there's a lot of bad stuff happening right now. You know, there are four major famines happening right now, which is like you said kevin you know we have enough food to feed everyone on this earth nobody has to go hungry and yet that's not the case Mm -hmm. but still like i mentioned national peace day overall the world is more peaceful than it has ever been yeah and so that is definitely something to focus on even though there are terrible things happening you know there are people suffering we have to try to look for something positive to focus on or else we're all going to go crazy or else it could easily quickly feel like too much and there is and hopelessness is not not a good place to be right and i think to me when people ask me what's the point of church in the world today mm-hmm. at, at least this church advent for me it comes back to being being a voice of that that hope and that positivity. Also, you know, instead of just focusing on bad things and thinking about it, the doing something, Yeah. you know, I can say there's four famines happening in the world right now, but what am I doing to fix this or how am I personally contributing? And if I'm not, then is my negativity really going to help anybody? Yeah. Other than just bumming you out. And I know it's a small scale and not fixing those famines, but I think of, like I, I know Lily, you've volunteered at the hunger ministries at here at Avent a bunch of times. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's mainly this community. It's local. It's a couple hundred people each month, 
but but that adds up like at the food pantry it's two thousand in a year uh, and I do think it, it's not good if a church preaches hopeful messages but then doesn't do anything or it doesn't also call out injustice in the world right so there's like a balance between those those two things that we we try to strike here I'm hopeful that all the things that you guys are hopeful of will will happen in time uh, and I, th- I think while they may not happen literally I, I, I hope we can place some some faith right. I think yeah I think this scripture says we can have, have faith that they will if we take action too and, and do something about it anyway are there, are there any final thoughts about everything we've talked about the sermon all of it before we call it a day um can i give some homework can you do homework can i give some homework can you give homework for our listeners yeah yeah absolutely do one nice thing for somebody this week whether it's like opening a door helping your neighbor with grocery bags giving someone a compliment one nice thing this week um and hopefully that will be spread onto other people and make a chain a happiness chain so all right you heard charlie one nice thing (laughs) that's your homework guys and with that we're signing off thank you for listening you can find us online at www.adventnyc slash podcast or email us your thoughts at podcast at adventnyc.org Also, you're very much invited to visit us in person to hear sermons and worship with us any Sunday at 9 a.m., 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.